Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How are you doing this week, Bill? Uh, I'm doing great, Steve. The Royal Rumble was just uh, the other day, and man, what a a show it was. I can't believe who won and who's going to be main eventing WrestleMania and challenging for the title. It's going to be just insanely incredible. Can't wait. It's probably going to be... Not a disappointment at all. Nope, not a disappointment at all. It's probably going to be exactly who we who we hoped it would be, and that's who won it. And man, I mm, my excitement level, Steve. I definitely didn't cancel the network. <laughs> definitely didn't do that. Definitely didn't do that. Oh, and that thing with AJ. Ah, oh, astounding. Astounding. And when Shane McMahon rode the space shuttle up to the International Space Station and then jumped off of it. And, and the end cream crashing down into the arena, man. Oh, it was it was slightly better than what he usually d- jumps off of. And then The Rock came out and talked for two hours. <sighs> and Becky Lynch got eliminated. She sure did. <laughs> she sure did. I feel fully confident stating that. Uh, okay, uh, drop in the facade. Haha, <laughs> fooled you guys. When your life's a facade... Uh, we're recording this episode um, before the next episode, just because of how we're recording schedules lining up. So we don't know how the Royal Rumble is going to turn out. So hopefully it was fun and all that. Uh, we'll drop our predictions now, so you can listen to how it went, and then listen to our predictions from the past and realize how wrong we were. My prediction is Asuka wins the women's Royal Rumble, and then Shinsuke wins the men's Royal Rumble. That is my prediction slash hope. Uh, that seems the most logical, unless Ronda Rousey shows up, which by the time you'll be listening to this, we'll, be, we'll, we'll know. We'll know whether or not she showed up or not. She's allegedly filming a movie in another country. That's true. Um, some people's uh, requests slash predictions is that Finn will win the Rumble, but he will instead choose to challenge AJ for the belt instead of Brock. Don't think it works that way. You have to challenge whoever, whatever brand you're on. I don't think the rules fucking matter, and they make them up as they go week by week, Bill. Well, we're not going to have a chance to talk about this for a Rumble, but did you watch Raw 25, Steve? No, because I don't have cable. Well, I don't either. I just found a site that streamed it. Oh, no, I don't steal. Uh, I, I did. I'm not, I, it wasn't stealing. It was an, it was education. It was educational. Now, now the streaming sites are using the uh, Daily Motion Education streams to stream uh, Raw uh, and other things. No, uh, I was... watched a couple of clips. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me happy is that people were chanting 1, 2, 3. Um, that was nice. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the show is fucking awful. Hey, yo. Uh, Did you like I The feel... Undertaker wearing a wig? Uh, Jesus. I like The Undertaker coming out to bright lights in the Manhattan Center. <laughs> but Br- Bray gets the lights turned off. Well, they wanted to make it look like how it used to. To which I respond, well, then where was Paul Bearer? <laughs> he's, he's dead. They should have dressed Kane up as fake Diesel since Kevin couldn't <laughs> be there. <laughs> Uh, it was a really bad show, Steve, and I feel so bad for those people in the Manhattan Center that paid like four hundred dollars a ticket just to see like twenty minutes of stuff in front of them, and the rest of it was just watching Raw on a big screen. Perfect. What a fucking racket! Oh my god. And then the revival get buried by the legends. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Well, that's what they exist for. Yeah. Thank. Yeah. Great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yippee skippy. Uh, Ascension's just how... screaming like, "How do you like it?" <laughs> uh, 
so that's really um guess how am I doing other stuff besides the wrestle talk? Uh, I finally got you. Yeah, seriously, you know, enough um, fucking wrestle talk in this goddamn movie podcast. Yeah, well, hey, that's this. Those are just live action movies. They're recorded and then sometimes shown in theaters. So, I rest my case, motherfucker. I <laughs> uh, I just kind of piggybacking on last year. I want to solidify that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is my favorite film I saw of twenty seventeen. I finally had time to watch it since picking up the uh, uh, Blu ray release of it film was incredible and what was more incredible was behind those the special features behind the scenes featurettes with which there is not nearly enough steve i need like nine more hours of them talking about the models they built and all the sets they built and everything they did because denny denny villanovu doesn't like green screen or any of that shit he wants to build everything if possible and fucking my god steve he did it good for him <laughs> there's shit that i'm seeing i'm like oh i didn't realize that was real shit sitting there <laughs> <laughs> the scene where two people are talking in the background you see a bunch of stuff i'm like oh that's just obviously like you can composite that in and then behind the scenes it's all back there i'm like oh it's jesus christ steve my god this movie that's amazing Love it. it's amazing incredible uh so if you haven't seen blade runner 2049 like a lot of people uh you can pick it up and check it out now and uh so that's how i'm doing steve how are you doing this week uh i'm doing fine swag yeah, that's it. Nothing's really happening. I uh, uh, just been doing more side quest stuff in Xenoblade, and um, t- finally killed Christmas in my house because it stopped snowing every single fucking week. Good. So I took down all the lights, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I have not seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, it's out there now. You can see it. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably uh, rent the original and it, meaning Blade Runner twenty forty nine, not the movie named it. It's a great comedy. <laughs> I mean, I'll see it eventually. Yeah, I'll still say this about it. Uh, the kids are amazing, but the rest of the movie is just a fucking farce. Yeah. I don't understand how most people find any of that scary. Mm-hmm. I just, just, just moments like... Well, people this. find the original scary, and I also think that film is just hilarious. That's that's very true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Prince Albert, I can. Uh, Tim Curry just having time of his life. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Balloons exploding in blood. Uh, public service announcement, real quick. If you're sick, don't come to work. But, I'm tired of like I, I, my department, other departments of my work, just getting sick because people will just come to work when they don't have to. They get paid, they get vacation time, they get everything. They don't have to come to work. Well, then fuck them. They still do, and they get every people sick. And then I get people. Then I make this post, and I was like, "But you think people get fired." Yeah, how does that help the other people that get sick and then they can't come to work? What? what? Logic makes no sense. I'm pretty sure a food service place, even if you work at a fucking McDonald's, they tell you to stay the fuck home. Uh, They really don't. Well. Especially in restaurants, though. It's very, very known that bosses will ever tell you, you fucking come to work sick because I can't cover for you, and if you don't show up, you're fired. That's, I, I guess I shouldn't be so out of touch. I, I know that's what really happens. I just would like to think that that doesn't happen. Well, we don't live in a, a country that, like, really has good protection with that sort of thing. That's true. But if you get vacation time and stuff, yeah, you should take say home. Sure. Well, I found a way, guys. I found through documentation dating back to 1835. We found a way that Bernie could still win. <gasps> Finally. Finally. It There's a chance. There's still a chance. Bernie can still win, guys. I'm ready to go to it, the polls. It's going to be like 30 years from now, and I think that's still going to be funny to me. 
<laughs> it's the myriad all over of 2016 of people just saying, no, Bernie can still win, guys. He can still win. He can still win, guys. There's this loophole right here. Bernie can still win. Great. Great. Perfect. Uh, winning will matter a lot come March when the Academy Awards air uh, this past week, our time. <laughs> our time. Uh, the Months were, ago in your time, guys. Were, were posted. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of a Steve. I don't necessarily care about the Academy Awards. I just like it when things I like and people I like get the recognition they want mm-hmm. and deserve through hard work. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have earned through hard work. I, hate, I always screw up and use the word deserved. Uh, the biggest thing for me is Roger Deakins with Blader in 2049. He, this is his 14th time he's been nominated for cinematography, and he's incredible. And it'd be a damn fucking shame if he doesn't win it this year, because Blader in 2049 is fucking astounding uh, visually. So there's that. I mean, I, I mean, good on Guillermo getting nominated for Shape of Water. I will finally get to watch that uh, the Friday after recording this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the usual stuff. Of course, Daniel Day-Lewis is in a movie, so Daniel Day-Lewis is nominated for something. And given how he's he's, retiring from acting with this film, I could totally see people voting for him and him winning it just purely on that. Because it is a big political game sometimes. Well, that's all it fucking is most of the time. You know, I'd say that, but man, the past several years, things have been weird. Things have been weird. The weirdest shit wins some stuff. Like the, uh, t- yeah, two years ago, or was it last year? I get mixed up on the years because they run them so late in the, in the following year. Like when it was like visual effects and it was like everyone thought Fury Road would win it. Then like all of a sudden Ex Machina won it. And they were like, uh, what, what? <laughs> like it was that one one thing that people thought like Fury Road had like nailed down and they didn't even fucking win that. And on top of me, admittedly, it was also crazy seeing, like, the absurd number of Academy Awards Fury Road is winning in the first place. Right. Which was excellent. Which further shows that, you know, you can be a, a genre picture and still get some solid uh, nominations. Mm-hmm. But, of course, with the Academy Awards, Steve, comes everyone going, Oh, how come Wonder Woman wasn't nominated? <laughs> I forgot. How come, how, how come Logan wasn't nominated? It was nominated for script. Steve, how come Hugh Jackman wasn't nominated for Best Actor? Um, Patrick Stewart, Steve. I mean, we all know that Ben Affleck deserves the nomination for Best Actor from Justice League. Didn't they see Spider-Man Homecoming? It was phenomenal. (laughs) Where is fucking... I can't. I can't even pretend to be like one of those Marvel people. Every year, but it's like, like the year before, it was like, oh, how come Deadpool wasn't nominated? Okay, guys, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, why, why do you think it didn't get nominated? <laughs> take a, take a quick guess. It's always just absurd. Uh, but, Guillermo, but Guillermo and Shape of Water getting lots of love. I think it's leading the number of nominations currently, which is it's pretty cool to see him. Gets some well well earned recognition for all the years of great films he's made. So that's that. I hope. He uh, wins. What'd you say? I hope uh, Del Toro wins. I th- given how the Golden Globes went, I could totally see him winning Best Director. Yeah. Again, I said it before the podcast. My prediction is that Del Toro wins Best Director, but then like Lady Bird wins Best Film. But who knows? Maybe maybe Logan will win in a surprise. 
It'd be like last year, uh, Warren Beatty will come out and just read the wrong fucking... You know what's going to be insufferable? Warren Beatty's going to come out and say, uh, Fernandad. <laughs> Fernandad's best picture. God, this year's Academy Awards is going to be insufferable to watch just because of how... They're going to play so many fucking jokes off of last year's fuck up. Of course they are. Like, I call everyone called that immediately. Everyone was like, this is bad, but next year is going to be way worse. Because they're going to make a little bit out of whoops-a-doodle. Or they won't, because they took it. The Academy uh, took it very fucking seriously when that happened. Yes, because that was a major fuck up. It was a major fuck up. What was uh, the explanation of that fuck up again? Uh, basically, uh, on was like both, the teleprompter wrong or something? Or? No, 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 no. Uh, both sides of the stage have the accountants for the agency that have the envelopes, uh-huh. and they handed um, I forget who was with Warren Beatty. Uh, they handed her the wrong envelope, and she's opened it and saw a name and blurted it out. And he's trying to read it and take like correct the situation, and she she just like was went for it. Yeah, she saw Emma Stone in La La Land and just said, "Oh, La La Land," even though it's it was obviously the envelope for best uh, best actress. actress. And so they fucked up on that. Yeah, because I could, because I remember Warren freezing and just smiling and looking at the envelope, knowing that he had the wrong thing. Yeah, and she just blurted it out. And I, just his eyes were like, "You goddamn bitch! If yeah. I punch you now, I'm going to be the bad guy, but I want to hurt you." <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because so many people were kind of dogging on him, and a lot of pe- a lot of people who were smart about the situation was like, "No, this wasn't his fuck up. Yeah. He was trying to fix the situation." <laughs> And she was just like, la la land. And it's like, no. Fuck. <laughs> and then people have to come out and like, no, 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 no. It was get out. Get out one. La la land did not win. Not get out. Sorry. Uh, Moonlight. Sorry, <laughs> no, get out one before it was even made. I'm thinking about this year's film. We went people to, are just going to be, be we, mad that get out didn't win. We went to Mr. Video and got get out two years ago. Uh, but yeah, people are, are, well, it's because Get Out is losing because black people are in it, and that's the only reason why it's losing. Yeah, clearly, yeah. Get, yep. get Out deserves uh, something, I just don't know what specifically. Did you see Get Out yet? No. Okay, well, I would say it's very good, but I don't, I don't know, I don't, I, I got, I don't think anything it got nominated for is going for. I mean, it deserves, like, let's say best film. Yeah, it deserves <laughs> best film. Uh, yeah, let's give it that. Sure. <laughs> not, not. It's not an, an award that really matters. No, it isn't. Not really. I mean, they nominate like ten fucking things. How good could it be? I like how they I introduced guess. that, but that. Just, oh my god! Just. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's only nine this year. I think the max it can go up to is ten. They just it fluctuates. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven years. No movies. Twenty-seven days. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Well, Meowie Christmas wasn't nominated. So fuck the Academy Awards. Academy Awards fuck are them. bullshit. We'll get, we'll get Warren Buffett. Sorry, <laughs> why would I want Warren Buffett? I don't know. We'll get Warren Buffett, Warren Beatty, Warren Ellis. <laughs> we'll call them the Warrens. Warrens. Have our own Academy Award ceremony. Can we also have Blackjack and Hookers? Well, not Blackjack, because I hate gambling. Uh, and not Hookers, because I want Steve, women to give consent. give me Blackjack. Uh, I want Blackjack, Steve. I want give consenting strong women, so um, let's just have it with um, no gambling. But give me Blackjack. No, I don't want to give This you... episode's the best, because I have not been feeling great. Like, I'm not sick, but I'm just really tired because I'm able to sleep. 
So I'm just dealing I with all these issues. I also couldn't sleep at all last night. I am so fucking tired. As soon as you hang up with me, as soon as this stupid fucking episode is over, I'm taking a shower and going the fuck to sleep. What a what a way to kick off Black History Month <laughs> <laughs> than through pure animosity oh, and anger. I can't wait to be in a room as black as this month and go to sleep. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Oh, thank you. Uh, Last bit of news. I I guess guess, got two small bits of news real quick. Uh, Detective Pikachu has started its uh, principal photography. Uh, That's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Yep. Uh, Hey, the game trailer looked great, so. Oh, yeah, that game trailer, I cannot wait. That's the perfect voice for Pikachu. It's so good. I'm I'm immediately... As a huge fan of Ryan Reynolds, I'm immediately sad that that's just not the same voice actor they put in the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, God damn it. I enjoyed every discussion I had with my friends, because we kept, kept just turning it into, like, every other, like, crime noir film where just terrible fucking things happen to people. Yeah. Shit. Uh, Black Dynamite 2 is finally happening. There's a little teaser trailer finally released for it. Cool. Thank God. After all these fucking yeah, years, seriously. it's finally happening. So many fucking years. It's insane. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the film. You know, I love the first one. I love the uh, I love the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like Michael Jai White doing things. Yeah, me too. There was ever an actor that deserved so much more <laughs> in his career as him. That fucking him. Spawn movie. That fucking Spawn movie. Ru- ruined him so bad. Just relegated him to fucking direct-to-DVD shit. But he's so good. He is so good. I'm I so mean, happy, yeah, Black Dynamite has put him back, like, at the fucking for- forefront. Mm-hmm. In a really good way. Yeah. Good for he him. Still sh- he still shows up. So, like, obviously he had a, you know, decent role in The Dark Knight and other things. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds I- is apparently also working on a Clue movie. Yeah, I that's that's that. definitely like top of the list of remakes that don't ever need to happen. Maybe it'll be uh, Clue Junior, <sighs> or one of maybe it'll be one of the uh, uh, licensed Clue games. Like it'll be a Doctor Who Clue. Maybe they could call it like a make it a sequel. Call it another Clue. Hmm, maybe. I just it's just one of those cases. Where it's like this is a a great movie. Don't. Well, to be fair, it's based on a fucking board game. They could go anywhere with it and justify why it exists. You know I what? just don't have the faith that'll happen. The, you know what the issue is? I, I can tell you what's going to happen. The movie will come out and bomb, because this is a little known fact. Uh, Clue didn't make a lot of money when it came out. No, it didn't. It was it was, it was a bomb. It's it's just a cult film, and a lot of people have discovered it recently, like, you know, over the years. Uh, and I run to people all the time who have, I, I, a lot of people who have never seen Clue, never heard of Clue or anything. So I think it's a case where a lot of people think Clue's a big deal and it'll come out and just not do anything or, or, or anything, or at least people may maybe go back and discover the original film. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's Firefly Clue and they can finally get that more, more shit for those stupid fucking fans. <laughs> oh man. Firefly is not a good show. It's the James Dean of TV series. I don't know what that so, means. 
Uh, something something pretty good, pretty decent, but because it was ended too early, everyone thinks it's the best thing ever. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Like James Dean. James Dean did a couple films, a pretty good actor, whatever, died too young, that sucks, but everyone's like, oh, James Dean! I, I always equate Firefly to that. It was a show that was canceled too early for a lot of people, and because of that, it just elevates it even higher up the list of like greatest shows of all time, even though inevitably Joss Whedon would have ruined it. Yeah, well, I just, mean... <laughs> I'm sure I said it this on the podcast, but I assume every episode is someone's first episode of this podcast. It's just ten different people every single week. No one consistently listens. <laughs> um, that I watched the series and I thought that was okay. And then I watched the movie and I actually really liked the movie. I did a lot. I thought it was interesting. I liked the story. I liked how the plot moved. And then I found out that the movie was like four seasons worth of plot put into one two-hour movie. And I was immediately glad that Firefly was canceled. Because if that story was strung out over five fucking seasons, I would have thought that was the worst show to ever exist. Yeah. It would have been way too fucking slow and nothing would have been happening. I would have gone fucking nuts. But since he was forced to tell that story in two hours, it was good. Yeah, Son had to put his ego in check. Yeah, exactly. Classic movie films railing on Joss. No, fuck you, Joss Whedon. Uh, we're, we're definitely bringing him down a peg. Oh, finally... Finally learned not to fuck with us. Take that, you male feminist piece of shit. <laughs> using it to bang women and take advantage of people. That's all you're using it for. Like the like a cl- classic scumbag male feminist. That's what all they do. They're always so creepy little fucks. That's my hot take, anyway. That's <laughs> my hot take. <laughs> That's my hot take. You know what? The Buffy the Vampire movie was way better than the show. Yeah, I agree. I love that movie. It's so funny. It's so good. And he had the least and, creative control over that, and that's why it's so much better. Yeah, it's great. It has Rutger Hauer, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens is in it. If Paul Rubens was in the show, maybe I'd like it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe? Uh, you fucks. That's a big maybe. Uh, well, without further ado, let's just jump on. Uh, you know, it's Black History Month, and I told you guys a year ago... Yeah, we'd be covering some more films. Last year it was Rudy Ray Moore. This year, baby, we're going Fred the Hammer Williamson. So we're going to be looking at this all this month at the some films starring Fred Williamson from the 70s. Mostly the 70s, because I think that's when most of his quality work came from. Mm-hmm. Before uh, black exploitation films really fell out of fashion and became more of a uh, you know, cheaper fare. Especially when the uh, VHS market kind of started booming more in the 80s and 90s. Uh, but uh, though, I will say... Uh, Fred Williamson does not agree with the term black exploitation because he did not understand who was being exploited because black people were were being paid and getting feature roles in these films. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I definitely agree with that, his sentiment towards that. Uh, well, for kicking it off, uh, first we're going to look at is that really one of his earliest roles, uh, at least especially as a starring uh, lead role in Larry Cohen's uh, written and directed film Black Caesar, nineteen seventy three, rated R. From shoeshine boy to top mafia kingpin, the story of Harlem youth's rise and fall in New York City's crime underworld. That sounds pretty that, fair. That's it. That that's the shorter synopsis because this was like a usual case where there's like a huge paragraph long synopsis, which I had no interest in reading. Uh, so the one sentence one from this book called Black Exploitation Cinema: The Essential Reference Guide seemed seemed perfect for us. I'm not sure how you can write a paragraph plot synopsis for this film because this is I feel like this is a very plot light movie. Not necessarily in a negative way, but uh, very very just, straightforward. Like one sentence is about him breaking a leg as a boy. 
Next is how he's angry at society, and then come rises up, and he starts a gang war. I mean, you could you could sum the movie up in a, in a paragraph, I guess. Uh, so uh, we're we're no, we're no strangers to Larry Cohen. Uh, he wrote Cellular. He direct wrote and directed uh, Maniac Cop. Mm-hmm. Larry Cohen, great great uh, cult cinema um, creative person. Uh, between this the stuff. Other black exploitation films, you know. He's definitely the best white... of the Coens. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily dis- disagree. <laughs> Goddamn right you don't. I like I like Terry, Terry Larry um, words. I like Larry Cohen quite a lot. I like Phone Booth. Do you like Phone Booth starring? Uh, I do like Phone um, Booth. Colin Farrell. I don't know. It took me a second to remember that name. I like phone. I, know both. I feel didn't. I like. Uh, I like Maniac Cop too. That's true. I'm a big fan of the stuff. I think the stuff is really good. Yeah. It's another underrated uh, film. <sighs> okay, so Black Caesar, Steve. Uh, what do you think of Black Caesar? This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a rough episode for me, Bill. That's okay. It can um, be a rough episode. Because I'm not a big fan of movies from the 70s, and I give literally no shits about gangster movies. And this is a gangster movie that, takes, that was made in the 70s. So, uh, <laughs> like, there's things that I respect in it. Uh, I like Fred Williamson. Like, no, no complaints about him as the lead. And mm-hmm. I thought he, he looked good, he looked intimidating, he was really good at going back and forth between really smooth and really fucking angry. Um, but uh, this was one of those movies that was under 90 minutes and I felt like it was three hours long in my brain just because it was two things that I don't like in one movie. The soundtrack's yeah. amazing, though. Oh, Jesus, yeah, that was definitely one of my biggest points. I thought uh, James Brown's first attempt at doing, like, a score and stuff for a film was excellent. Yeah, it was, that was really good. I, I definitely wanted to say that, because I don't really have a list of things I don't like about the movie. It's just my list of things that I like is, you know, like, the two things. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, it's not a bad movie. I want to say that right now. <laughs> it's just things I don't like. No, I I, I totally, totally agree with you on that. Like, uh, the... Watching the film... Uh, like, I if I liked it. gangster films, I think I would fucking love this movie, because this is a really legit gangster film about yeah. a black guy killing racist white people, and I say that is a good thing. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's incredible in that regard. Uh, I agree with you mostly, because I like gangster films a lot, you know, uh, all the different types of them and stuff. I mean, I, I mean, this is going to be cliche as fuck, you know, obviously I like The Godfather, obviously I like sopranos you know those are like the big like of course most a lot of people like those but you know I, i'm a fan of those i'm a fan of other stuff i can go from uh cheesy cr- cheesy gangster films up to like hard edge gangsters like uh, i can go from i think within a couple years apart there was a uh, gangster squad that was like a b movie like almost like italian uh like a sp- like a, um made version of like the untouchables or something or i can go like when johnny depp was in black mass i like i like the whole range depends mm-hmm. uh but i can totally agree with you on the uh pacing part like this is a 70s film and this is one of the 70s films where it's paced a little slow but it'd it'd be weird because there'd be like stretches where i felt it was a little too slow but then there'd be segments of the film where there's the people are having conversations and stuff is happening that i found really compelling and drew me in a lot Mm -hmm. 
So it's just like lots, lots of uh, lots of deserts in between, like the good, 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 good areas. Yeah, that's definitely a really good way to put it. Lots of so deserts. I could, de- I could definitely agree with you there. But yeah, the uh, oh, I'll put the soundtrack off for a second because I want to go back, kind of go through some of your points. Uh, Fred Williamson, I love Fred Williamson a lot. That's why we picked him for the second year for the you know the kind of Black History Month looking at black actors. You know, it's easy for other people to be like, uh, we're going to do like prominent black guy, you know, Denzel Washington, like Morgan Freeman, Will Smith, you know, all those people that are like more in the, the, the pop culture zeitgeist. But here, we love cult film. So let's go back and look at some other actors that are just as important to the establishment of uh, black cinema. Completely agreed, and, yeah. And so we're, that's why we went Fred, Fred the Hammer Williamson for always, uh, let's see, I think his rules were... He always gets the girl in the end. He kicks a lot of ass, and he's always the good guy. Mm-hmm. That's his pretty much his core principles. Which this film I, I thought was compelling because uh, Tommy isn't necessarily good all the time. Oh God, no! Like there's moments. What's what's great about his? Uh, I think with me, it's a problem. I guess with Williamson's acting is that he is so fucking charismatic. Yeah. That there's so many times where like, I mean, he's raping Helen. Yeah, he's raping Helen, but he's yeah. so charming. But like that scene, I'm like, you're a despicable fuck. But then like a, like a scene or two later, it's like, ah oh, man. Like when you get like you're you're still rooting for him to kill that racist cop by the end of the film, even though he's Tommy's been nothing but a piece of shit like throughout this film all the time. He's also evil, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Which I think what's good. I mean, what I guess I can forgive about Tommy Gibbs as a character is that this is obviously going the usual route of he's a just a product of his environment. Yeah. Like you know, he yeah, absolutely. In, you can argue in this gar- garbage situation. So he's just trying to make the best of what he can in that regards. It's just like, and it's clear. It's, it's clear that he he has internal struggles, like the stuff when his mother dies. Then his father shows up, who he earlier in the film he almost was going to shoot in the fucking face, mm-hmm. and then me, that's like he's like trying to find some other like connection with somebody is like even this person he hated like earlier like do you need anything do you need help with anything and his father's just like no fuck you pretty much yeah and it's it's just like even you can even pick out those those segments and things where it's clear that he's he's obviously came from a broken home and even has still is a broken person Mm -hmm. in that regard yeah he's a completely broken person yeah he is he's definitely shown um, there's layers to his character, mm-hmm. which you would may not expect from a movie like this, if it was being like written directed by a lesser talented man. Yeah, I was gonna say for sure a lot of that just comes from Larry Cohen's script. Which, fun fact, this script was originally written for Sammy Davis Jr. I did re- look that up. It was gonna be Little Caesar. Yeah, and it was because Sammy Davis wanted to just do some, not be uh, under you know Frank Sinatra's flunky and his other movies. Yeah, but he. Uh, had some uh, IRS trouble. Yes. As you do. <laughs> Who doesn't? And so, uh, I obviously went with Williamson, which I think was obviously the best choice. Mm-hmm. I think this film would have would not have been nearly as good if it, if it didn't have Fred Williamson in it. Because I think with Sammy Davis, it would have become too schlocky. Yeah. You know I mean, it would have been a completely different film. Oh, for sure. But I think even if you tried to like make it serious, I don't think... I don't know... <laughs> I guess I don't have the most expansive time of watching Sammy Davis stuff, but everything I've seen him in, I just feel like it would be it would not be able to be taken seriously very much. Mm-hmm. But I could have been surprised. Whatever. Yeah, I mean we don't but, know. You know, but we got Fred Williamson, who it just has the look, has the charisma, has it down pat. Where he's just like he, he he looks like someone you would never want to fuck with. Oh, absolutely. 
even now, like I consider this like baby face Fred Williamson. Like later films, and he gets like the handlebar mustache and everything else. He looks so much cooler. <laughs> but even when he's like clean shaven, younger in this film, he still looks like a badass. Oh, he still looks great. And uh, the rest of the cast of characters, I think, are all pretty solid. Uh, Derville Martin shows up again, who was um, the um, was it Mean Leroy Green or whatever from uh, Dolomite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll also show up later this month when we, when we cover some more Fred Williamson stuff. Uh, Derville Martin is a, is a fun character actor in black exploitation cinema. He's always he's always solid. He's always funny. Like like in this film, he's playing Reverend Rufus. And even when Tommy comes in with the bullet in his gut, he's all like, "Oh, I'll heal ya, I'll heal ya," mm-hmm. and it's totally clicking right back into that shyster role that he play, like he's he's doing at the church there. So I really, I really dug that. Uh, as a filmmaker, Steve, uh, how would you rate the size of Larry Cohen's balls for all the gorilla filmmaking he does in this film? Those are those are ten out of ten balls. I I, I could tell that immediately when I was watching this. Yeah, there's a, uh, a documentary about, like, Grindhouse Cinema, and Fred Williamson tells the tale of, like, shooting the scene where he gets shot, and he's just, he's just at the camera in front of him, he's just walking down the street, they have no, no permits, nothing, and people are, like, noticing, it's like, that, that, that Fred Williamson? Because obviously Fred Williamson was a famous football player. Right, right. And at one point, he's, like, falls on the ground, and a cop comes up, he's like, Hammer, you filming a movie? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, okay, well, I'm gonna walk around, in ten minutes, you guys better be out of here. That's fair. <laughs> And also that type of stuff. So that's like, but you can see it like, and actually it makes for some, I think like the whole, everything there when he gets shot, it almost, at times it almost feels like, is this the end of the movie? Is he fucking dead? Is he, is everyone going to these like the fucking shit fuck uh, McKinley cop going to get away with this? Mm-hmm. It's like, cause you, you see people who like have general concern about what happened to this poor man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, cause they don't know they're being filmed at some yeah. parts. Um, I liked reading that, um, Harlem gangsters kept threatening to shut down the movie unless they were paid off. So then, Cohen just cast them in the movie. Yeah, and that's amazing. And then he put them on the poster, which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But then they were that's also like the coolest guys. They they kept getting anything for him whenever he asked for something. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was reading about that. He was just like, they're the best guys to ever have on set. As soon as if I just offhandedly said I was thirsty, all of a sudden one of these gangsters would show up with a. A uh, glass of water or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. For me, people who have never like, seen Larry Cohen in an interview or talked to him or any of that type of stuff. Uh, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> he's he's very cool, and obviously, I mean, he's in that realm of directors who did tons of stuff in the seventies and eighties. I mean, I mean, I mean, he was even a phone booth going up past that. But he's one of those people that has always been working, always doing stuff. But not, not wasn't necessarily a case of someone who like blew up big. Yeah. So I think in that he definitely regard, had a fair career, but he never got big. Sure. And so he's one of those act, like those directors that you can talk to who's still humble and down to earth because they're just a working actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way to put it. I mean, admittedly, you're right. I mean, like a lot of the actors and people you find at, like horror conventions and stuff. You know, a lot of them are just still working actors and are not necessarily, You know, still a lot of people can have still be humble about stuff. Mm-hmm. Granted, I mean, obviously, granted, there are people who are not so humble about stuff, but <laughs> like Mr. A. Michael Baldwin. <laughs> Fuck you, my A. Michael Baldwin. Uh, You're the Michael Baldwin who is a piece of fucking shit at a little piece of shit fun convention that people really wanted to meet you at, and you weren't even at your fucking booth the entire fucking weekend, you goddamn piece of shit. 
the kid who played <laughs> Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween movie was more thankful to the fans and cooler to hang out with than fucking you were. <laughs> Not to mention fucking someone that actually matters for Monster Squad was the coolest motherfucker. And I'll be friends yeah. with him forever. That's cool, dude. Forever. Uh, I could so probably get him in a Meowie Halloween. Uh, yeah, I mean... And loosely connected to with Monster Squad as legally as I can. Just have him wear a Stephen King rule shirt. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so... Trying to think. Okay, uh, trying to stay on my my bank of positives here. Um, yeah, please feel free to drive this conversation. I'll poke in on my thoughts, but like my list was what I said at the start of the episode. Oh, uh, totally. I apologize uh, no, no. again. Like, <laughs> no, you don't need to apologize. I mean, that's that's honest criticism. That's the, how you're going to feel about the film. Uh, I mean, I agree with a lot of stuff. It's just a matter of like, I guess the the balance of scales, like balancing like how much that stuff is kind of detrimental to the film versus not. Uh, I mean, I will go back to the James Brown score. Uh, some of the songs in this film are fucking great. Oh, so fucking good. And I, I like how, um, uh, what was the song? This He used, like, the same song for when he rose and fell. Yes. And I forget what song that was. I'm, I'm trying to look at it right now. It's the title. It's like the title track for the film. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. I'm bad at that. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'm trying to remember it, too. But, oh, Down Out in New York City. Yes, uh, but it was done so fucking well. Yeah, sorry. What, what's funny is it, it's... What made me think, like, when uh, Tommy gets shot earlier, I thought that was almost the end of the film, because the way that that song plays in that, it's, like, so heavy. And you think the credits are going to start rolling. You think that that's the end. You think it's, like, it starts blasting. You just think he's, like, going to collapse over and be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and But, I mean, I admit, I admit, I really like the fact that he keeps going and is able to get his revenge on McKinley. God, that... Man, that that's a powerful fucking scene from me, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> like when McKenzie like beats I brought, him too. Well, well, before that, it's like I brought you shine box, oh, and yeah. it's like, oh shit, fuck, <laughs> this is fucking brutal. And you can just see, like, I mean, you know, this is still like a very early film for Williamson, and man, he I, he took to acting like water, like a fish to water. Yeah, he did, because you could see the like the rage in his face as, as he's got this gun pointed at his head, and he's like. Shining these shoes, trying to figure out how he's gonna fucking get out of this, and then he just knocks it back, like shoves down, like pistol whipping his face, grabs the shoe shine, like blacking him up, is like sing Alabama, sing it. <laughs> it's like he's like, he's got like twenty years of bent up rage at this fucking piece of shit. Oh yeah, for everything he did, and he's just it's so gratifying. <laughs> yeah, the, how, this is not a political film, but it definitely raises a lot of. Um points about like race issues that didn't just magically go away during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. thought that was good <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it caused to the same things that i mean a lot of films do this too where you take someone who's poor and they think by having the wealth and power that their life will be better and it's it by the end of this film when he's Tommy's being beaten down by other punks and stuff. And the ledgers are just tossed in the trash. Like they didn't even matter. He's like almost right back to where he started. Mm-hmm. And it, what it, all the money did, all the success did for him and try to did for his friends and family just ended up with them being killed or actually pretty much all of his friends being killed and his family dead and just all alone and desolate. Like it didn't like the, the, the power and the wealth didn't solve anything for him. No. Yeah. It wasn't going to fix all the problems from his childhood and his life and everything else. 
And on top of that, like, even though even they might think, oh, well, it's the white people being in power that are ruining everything. So then they become in power and they're doing just as bad. They're doing just as many bad things and they're not really helping anybody. Mm. It's just the, the, the shoe being on another foot. Because even in the film, they talk about how uh, they build all these community centers and no one even fucking uses the things. Like, they think they're going to do all this good to help the community and it doesn't solve anything. Yeah, not a thing. And it's just it's just kind of like, you know, nothing really changes. But I mean, admittedly, I mean, the, his rise is like for the first half of the film is, is fun to follow. Just how he kind of treats all the like Italian mobsters and everything and then betrays them. And like Williamson's charisma is, is carries those scenes so much. Fuck yeah, it does. Like when he first shows up speaking Italian to the guy, then he's buddy buddy with him. And I got your present. He's like, you're doing this to me. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, other other stuff. I also just like, even though he knows that he can use these like white Italian mobsters' racism in his favor. Oh yeah. It's like, well, no one will trust you, but they'll trust me because I'm black. And also, you know, trust uh, only a jungle a uh, jungle bunny can control the jungle. Oh yeah, I it's fucking like, love that line. One of those lines, <laughs> and um, it just works so well in that favor. Like I said, and it goes back to where. You have a guy who's doing despicable things throughout the film, but fucking Fred Williamson, man, what? just makes you like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, murder those oh, people. Oh, uh, don't, don't, please don't rape. Yeah, her. rape her. She was asking for it. And the, and the next scene's like, yeah, oh man, you just rape. I think didn't you just rape somebody before this? <laughs> That's okay. She gets her revenge. Yes, she but does. Even, even her life is still ruined because her husband. Got shot in the head in an elevator. Uh, no one really comes out ahead in this film. No. The only people Everyone. that we see nothing bad happen to are the gangsters that kill and rob him at the end. Yes, they killed him. Question mark? Yeah, uh, I, I thought I thought the end of the film he was definitely dead too. Uh, but then I, when I was checking up stuff for next week's episode, Hell Up in Harlem... That is a sequel to Black Caesar. I did not know that. Starring Tommy Gibbs. It was a case of this film, I, mean, I guess since we're kind of wrapping up the review here, maybe we'll get to some other negatives here, but I'll drop this now. Uh, the film obviously made a lot of money, and the studio basically wanted to capitalize, the studio basically came to Larry Cohen saying, hey, make it, hurry up and make a sequel before the, these actors start asking for more money. That's amazing, actually. <laughs> <And> so he, <laughs> he's like, I don't have a script, so we'll just figure it out as I go. Oh, that's kind of great. Yeah, so that's that's basically what happens. Uh, so that's why we have a sequel film. But is, I mean, this the ending of this film is pretty ambiguous. It is ambiguous. He's, he's dead or not? I just took it as he died. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe people. that's the original intention. Oh, for sure. And then when it's like make a sequel, he's like, okay, I guess I guess I guy didn't show him getting shot in the head or something. Yeah. So I guess we can go. From glad there. I didn't show a funeral. I'm glad. No, because the sequel I, just hits his fist punching out of the fucking ground. With the ledgers in hand. Yes. I'm back, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm bringing all you down. Which I think is kind of the plot of the film. I think it's him taking down drug dealers in Harlem. Great. Is it also a gangster uh, film? I don't know how much of it is. I don't know. I don't think it's like a gangster film like this is a gangster film. Okay, good. It sounds more like an action, like a, like an urban action film. I mean, I'm, I'm not like against drama pro action, just specifically gangsters. No, sure. I, I think it's more of an urban action film. I'll be honest. I didn't. I haven't seen Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem. I picked them for this because I had not seen them. A and B. Uh, they're both directed and written by Larry Cohen. 
So I thought that would make a good thing, to, you know, kind of pairing mm-hmm. for these first two films. Uh, I uh, last like major positive for me. I like the whole scene where he where Tommy buys the apartment from his lawyer and all the clothes, mm-hmm. and he's just throwing the lawyer's wife's uh, fur coats out the window, just throwing them out. That's such a that's such a great scene. I really appreciate that. I also really appreciate how he's just kind of a despicable character, but I think there's still some positive qualities to him. Like when the lawyer's wife shows up wanting to have sex with him, he's like, "I don't have sex with you. Get out of here." Also, like I don't think your husband would appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still, there's still some things there. So, I think that about covers everything. Were there any like major negatives? Like any particular other things you want to talk about? I mean, again, aside from the genre, which I can't list as a negative, that's just so subjective. The only main negative I have is that it feels like fucking the deserts, as we said at the early in the mm-hmm. episode. Is that there's yeah. scenes that are really interesting or moments with the characters that are really really good, but between those moments is nothingness. This is the void. And you're there the whole time. Yeah, back in the you know, just you're looking into the re- mouth of blackness. <laughs> I mean, it's real. I mean, this has been discussed before. There's that whole thing of sixty seventies pacing, where it's just people didn't understand. I guess it's like people just had not just just kind of clicked in their head a way of editing. But it's but I've seen so much shit from like the fifties. That's fine. I know. So how did everyone go retarded for a decade and a half, and then remember like, oh right, uh, the pace should be moving, and uh, and if you know, so that people were actually interested the whole time. Yeah, I don't know what happened. There's just like, I mean, this has been talked about. I mean, this is a common thing that people talk about is just the pacing of the time period. How it's like for some reason people just didn't understand that you can have multiple cuts in a scene. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, it, the idea was like it's a scene. The camera has to stay in one spot and just kind of turn, and everyone's there. We can't like change the shots. We can't, you know, there's some, but there's not a lot. To, you know, changing shots and editing can create more movement and motion to make things think, feel like they're going faster than they really. Oh, are. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can. I mean, I don't know how you can test it, but if you had a camera and like a couple actor friends, you could see for yourself. You know, record all the dialogue from just one side shot with no cuts, and then re-record it except with two shots on each actor's face. And, like, watch them just cut back and forth. Even with no fancy editing. If mm-hmm. you just cut back from face to face as soon as each one says their line, it's going to flow way better by comparison than two people standing in one spot talking the whole time. And then you improve on that by, like, instead of just going with shot, reverse shot, you find other way, other techniques to make the motion. In fact, you know, it's like, a, it's like a levels. You go up to, like, level three, then you can... Yeah, you can go wide, and then you go this face, but then you stay on that actor when the other actor starts talking to see his reaction. Yeah, then you can zoom in on the eyes if you want to see how they're taking this news that their wife died or something. And then you cut over to this cat. Yeah. These cats are cute. How does the cat feel about the fact that his parent died? Yeah. How's the cat feel? Academy Award for the cat. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think I've not covered most things. I I think this film is is important. I think it is. I will say it's important. I think it's definitely right up there as far as important uh, black exploitation films of the period. I mean, I look here on Letterboxd. I mean, it's mostly like four and five star reviews for this film. So this film obviously means a lot and matters a lot to a lot of people mm-hmm. in that regard. So I'm glad, we, well, I'm glad I watched it and, and we talked about it today. So uh, let's just jump into star ratings for this uh, for this uh, movie, Steve. What would you give uh, Black Caesar? Um, I'm going to give it a three, but I want to reiterate like, for the fourth time, it is because I don't like this decade, 
and because I do not like gangster movies, period. So I don't want people to no. think that, you know, it's got a bunch of issues outside of that. <laughs> you know, it's just the pacing, and other than that, that's mostly because of the 70s itself. Yeah, if we had a checklist of things that can definitely demote you on movie films, pacing is always going to be one of them. Yeah. Pacing is very important. Uh, I mean, even with those things, I'm still, I'm not that far from you. I would give it a three and a half because uh, there's there's major positives. But yeah, like you said, pacing will definitely, definitely drowns this film a little bit. Like if he just was tightened up a little bit. like If it is ever a drag to watch your movie, that is going to count way more against it than all the good stuff will count for it. Yeah. And vice versa, if a movie is a breeze to get through, I will overlook a bunch of shit. You know, I, I'm sure, I can guarantee, Bill, that there are movies that you and I have watched on the show that have way more negatives than Black Caesar has that scored higher because the pacing was better. Yeah, and I mean, it always depends. It depends on how well the movie, like, hides those negatives and how it dresses it up and how, like this film, I have said, we both have negatives in terms of the filmmaking and the pacing, uh, but all the positives are what brings it up so high for those. Because for some people, some people might just watch this film and give it a two or something, mm-hmm. and like not appreciate it at all. Because yeah. of the because of the performances, because of the scenes that do have good motion and have good writing, and are you know, still well directed and look pretty solid. Oh yeah, for the yeah. budget they're working with. I mean, that's the stuff that elevates a lot. So I mean, when I say three and a half, it's not it's not like a three and a half for some other films. It's like it's still a solid film that i think people should check we're, out. we're in we're in movies three and a half is still a pretty up it's still a positive score this is not video game reviews where anything under an eight <laughs> means it's shit well how like when i saw it with my friend i said that's a two and a half and he's like it's that bad and my wife had to be like no 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 that means it's very middle of the road yeah <laughs> which I'm like yeah two and a half is very middle of the road for me yeah. like i'm not giving it a, a one or two stars i mean you know two stars then you're getting to like this is a bad, this is bad movie story. yeah yeah, oh. I'm giving that, I'm giving that two and a half just for those fucking kids. Yeah. So uh, that's about it. Uh, we got so, three more. Films. So just to ahead, make sir. it official, Black Caesar not as good as Three Dogateers. Uh, sadly, no. Not as important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So one film is uh, the importance of the talking jo- dog uh, genre. There we go. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this film is the importance to black exploitation films and black cinema for you know for black audiences. I agree. Uh, I don't know. So we had to like weigh how important is one in one genre versus one in the other genre. Mm. Well, I so think the answer. The I think the answer is we need to combine the two and make a black exploitation meow a meowy black exploitation. So is that after meowy Halloween? Uh, I think that'll be after the second meowy Christmas. We'll do meowy Halloween, so meowy Christmas two, and then and. All black cast for the next Meowie movie. So would the movie be called Black Cat? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Figuring it out, folks. We're planning the uh, but, movie universe. But I want to say, if you, you you tell us which one has more importance in each other's respective genres. Emailing us at moviefilmsbillandsteve at gmail.com. You can also find all of our episodes for last month, uh, which was a question mark what kind of theme month that was uh, as far as the rest of february in the black history black exploitation black actor appreciation month uh by going to moviefilmsbillandsteve.tumblr.com you can also find us on facebook just like find the page like leave a comment telling us here and join the month or if you're not let us know how racist we are we always love hearing that always love hearing and that. you can also find us on itunes please subscribe and leave a five-star review that'd be so nice of you 
And we're always on Stitcher, on the website, and the mobile app. And as always, I am on Twitter, at LovableBill. And of course, folks, you can check out my film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. And I haven't updated it, uh, but I will soon, uh, Facebook.com slash TheAmazingSpiderSteve. Well, fantastic. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Sing Alabama Mammy! Sing it! Sing it!